You know, um, for the last four weeks, I've been talking to you about the blessed life. And, you know, when you see a video and you hear the testimony, uh, and then you reflect on your own life, you have to admit that your life is blessed. In fact, a good friend of mine who we, we wrote some books together, uh, he sent me his new book called Gratitude. And in it, he said, you know, gratitude is that amazing thing that you can find regardless how low your life is. But it's an attitude, and it's a perspective. It's not defined by where you live and how much money you have. It's really about that perspective in your heart to see things that you have versus seeing things that you don't have. And I want to read a story. I asked Jen if she could share, if I could share this. This is her story. Um, and it, it just it speaks volumes of the blessed life and also of what I want to talk to you about today. Today I want to talk to you about greatness in the kingdom. And I, and I want to leave you on the edge of your seat and read this story, then we're going to tell you about it, okay? But it, here's what Jen wrote, and I thought it was so great. It was a text message. She said, yesterday God told me uh, that I needed to give $200 to someone for something specific that they needed. While this was a lot of money for us, we knew that God was telling us to do it, so we were obedient. Then I received a call from Courtney that we got a donation of 200 packets of pasta from Northgate. I was obviously ecstatic. I drove home. I got an email from the 99-cent store who I was waiting on that they were going to give us 200 gallons of milk and 200 cartons of eggs. Do you see a pattern here? All right. We never told them that we needed quantities of 200 yet all of these were 200. I don't think it's random that all three of them gave us 200. After finishing the sermon series on tithing, it's just truly another example how God will come through when we are faithful. You know, a lot of people aren't willing to, to step into that, that highest dimension of faith. We talk about intellectual faith and emotional faith. Intellectual, I believe God could do that. Emotional, I want God to do that for me. But volitional is when you actually give the $200 when God tells you to. Then you step back and see what God does. But it's, it, the, the real power is in the release. It's really interesting that when Jesus uh, uh, was, was about to feed the 5,000, the disciples came and they said, you know, let's send them away because they're all hungry. And Jesus made the most interesting comment. He said, you feed them. You do it. And they said, well, all we have is just some, a, a little bit of fish, a little bit of bread. And he said, Let's, he blessed it, and then he said, now distribute it. And it says the miracle happened when they were giving it out. It wasn't like Jesus prayed and all of a sudden piles of fish and loaves came. The miracles, it says in Scripture, happen as they released. You see, if you want to see a miracle in your life, you have to release. As long as you hold on to your time, your money, your talents, you'll never see the miracle. It's only in the releasing. And when we think about the kingdom, how is God's kingdom structured? In many ways, it's exactly the opposite of the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of man. It's the opposite. Jesus said, you have heard it said, 
And then he begins to tell all these stories about how great men exercise power over others. He said, it shall not be so among you in the kingdom. They had high expectations for Jesus, that he would crush the, the imperial power of Rome and take control, and, and, and the 12 disciples would somehow be key players in that new kingdom. He said, no, my, my, my servants, my, my people do not take up swords to fight. We are more effective on our knees than we are with a sword in our hand. And we underestimate what God can do through the power of prayer, what God can do through, through the power of release in your life. Listen to what it says in, in Mark chapter 9, and see the kingdom pattern that God has put into Scripture. And, there, and, and this message will be successful in your life if you embrace it and then you understand the power of release. Because until you understand the power of release and servanthood, you really can't ever understand the power of the kingdom. Jesus came to Capernaum, and he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? Now, what would be typical for a rabbi is that a rabbi, when he said, come follow me, they, he literally meant, come follow me. They would literally walk single file behind him, and they would take the same path he took. They would stop when he stopped. And when, they, when he began to teach, they would listen in such a way that they could repeat back exactly what he said because he was making a disciple. So he heard them back here. He heard them. He, he wasn't sure all that was going on, but he said, what is it? And it says, but they kept silent. Have you ever, had, have you ever been talking about someone and they walked into your conversation and they say, what are you talking about? Have you ever, anybody ever experienced this? Nobody wants to raise their hand because you don't want to admit you were talking about someone, right? Okay, I'm going to go on record. Let's just be honest for the next five seconds. Have you ever done that? Just raise your hand. All right, we've all done that. Okay. And then what do you do? Now you've got to cover your gossip with a what? A lie, right? And then all of a sudden, you, now you've got to figure out where you're going with this conversation, all right? So it says they were silent. In other words, they said, we've already messed up once. Let's not do it twice. Let's not lie also. They were silent. For on the road, it says, they disputed among themselves who would be greatest. Can you imagine you're walking and following after Jesus, and you're getting into an argument about who's the greatest? I mean, it's just so counterintuitive, isn't it? He's talking about being humble and meek and come follow me and you're going like, I'd like to be great in the kingdom. He sat down and he called the 12. And he said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. You see how the kingdom is just different? He said, you want to be great in the kingdom? I'm not a, I don't have a problem with that. But let me tell you, the pathway to get there is not the one that you're going on. A lot of people don't think about eternity in the future because they're so consumed with the present and the natural. What would happen if we could, we could not only be responsible in the present, but we could also be responsible in the eternal? How would our life be different if we would begin to think about great in the eternal kingdom? You see, he doesn't condemn that. He never condemns that, that greatness in the eternal kingdom is a bad or selfish thing. It just says, no, you just have to get on the right road, the right path. 
In Matthew chapter 20, in verse 20, it says, a mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons. You gotta love this mom. You know, this is the mom that says, my kid is the best. Amen? If you're not that mom, you need to step up. Okay? Step up kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said unto her, what is it that you wish? Mom, if you could ask something for your kids, what would you ask for? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and one on the, uh, on the left in your kingdom. She wasn't asking for much. She was just asking for the prime spots in eternity. You gotta love this mom. You ever seen moms trying to line up a date for their son or daughter? I mean, it's pretty funny, right? Oh, you got to meet my son. You got to meet my daughter. Why? Oh, my God, they're incredible. They're, you know, like, you, you just, I mean, this is her. This is the helicopter mom we're reading about right here. All right? And she's, so, she's got so much FOMO, she doesn't want the kids to miss out in the eternal kingdom. If you don't know what FOMO is, it's fear of missing out. All right? Now, it's interesting in verse 23, I didn't include it in your, in your text there, but he goes on to say, but these shall be given. In other words, these seats that you talk about are gonna be given in the eternal kingdom. There will be some human being who will sit one on the right and one on the left in the eternal kingdom. Now, you're already in your mind saying, well, I know it's not me. But the only reason you say it is maybe because the level of servanthood is low. Ouch. Could have said anything but that. But you see, he, he told us in the previous verse, right? If you want to be great in the kingdom, then you have to become servant of all. And so the pathway is there. It's, it's not a problem. But how many times people shirk away from servanthood? Have you ever been really, you know, like you're, you're conscious of things need to be done, and you watch people around you doing it, but you never even think about getting involved in it. We see it when we're stacking up chairs because we're gonna do an event that we have to clear this entire auditorium. And you'll see people working and stacking, and you'll see other people just sitting around talking. They're not even aware that there's anything going on in the world. You see, there, there's different levels of leaders. Right, and, and there's a, the, the lowest form of leader is, can walk by chairs that need to be straightened up and never even see them. They don't even exist. They just walk by, it's a mess, they step over. I remember one time, I, 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 there was a limb had fallen down in front, this was at a previous a church that I pastored back in Colorado, and, and a limb had fallen down in front of the door and we were having staff meeting, it was early. And I thought, I wonder why, because I knew I wasn't the first one in, I wonder why nobody moved this limb. And I thought, I'm just going to experiment. I reached my pocket. I got a $5 bill, and I kind of wedged it in between one of the branches <laughs> so that you couldn't miss seeing it when you walked in the door. But I left the limb exactly where it was. I went down, waited for everybody to come down and get into staff meeting. You know, eventually, one of the staff members walked in and said, you're not going to believe it. I found a $5 bill on a limb. And I said, did you move it? Well, No. So the, the, the lowest form of servanthood is the one that's, that doesn't even see the problem, let alone doing anything about it. The next level is the one that comes and, you know, sees the limb and then moves the limb. 
And that's the second level of leadership. But the third level and the highest form of leadership is someone who sees the limb, moves the limb, and then teaches somebody else how to move the limb. That's discipleship. So don't be the person that just walks by everybody working or even be the person that does the helping. Pull somebody else into that sphere of servanthood because guess what? You're putting them on the pathway to greatness. Do you see the, you see the motive here? It's not just to get stuff done. It's to help people be great in the eternal kingdom. You have to really, you know, unless you see that with spiritual eyes, you're not going to see it because you're always going to just be thinking about, you know, well, I'm going to heaven. Imagine if you were invited into some place, some amazing amusement park. You got to go into to the amusement park, but nobody would let you ride the rides. That's like just getting into heaven. You're watching everybody on the roller coaster. You're watching everybody on whatever, you know, Splash Mountain. And you're just sitting down watching because guess what? You didn't desire anything more than just to get in the door. Now, I don't know if, now for me, if, if heaven was an amusement park, that's what I would want. I would not want to participate. Because <laughs> I'm not a big fan of lines. You know, I mean, I, I think in, in, if amusement park in heaven, there would be no lines. But you see, what I'm trying to say is the motive here is not to get you serving. The motive here is to make, it, make you great in the eternal kingdom of God. Don't miss what Jesus is saying here. Work will always get done. It just may not get done by you, and therefore you may not be great in the kingdom. That's all we're saying. Let's read on and, and see what else he says here. In John chapter 12 and verse 23, if anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my, will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. So who does the father honor? Non-servant or servant? Let's try it again. Non-servant or? Servant. servant. Well, does the father not honor the non-servant? No, he doesn't honor the non-servant. See, whenever you read scripture, always say, what's the converse of what I'm reading? What's on the other side of that? If he honors those who serves, then he doesn't honor those who don't serve. This is basic Bible 101, right? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If I don't do that, I will not be saved. You see how that works? So become kind of a reader that kind of helps to understand. Sometimes you, you can't see it unless you flip the coin over and look on the other side of it. And see, God promises kingdom power as well. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And this is, this is totally contrary to the way the world works. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, the context of this is Paul is praying, asking God to do something in his life, and God says no. He wants this healing. He wants to be delivered from this thorn in the flesh. God says, no, I'm not going to do that. Why not, God? You've healed, I've healed others. Why don't you heal me? Because you need this in your life. Do you realize some of the burdens you carry as a human being you need in your life to keep you humble? If you didn't have them, it'd be Animal House. You need things in your life that way. He said, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
See, do you want your strength or do you want God's strength? That's what he's saying. If I, if I remove this thorn from your flesh, Paul, then the only power you're gonna have is Paul power. But if I, if I leave it there, you're gonna have my power, you're gonna have my strength. And then Paul responds by saying, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. So, so humility comes with servanthood in a unique way, doesn't it? I can be powerful in the eternal kingdom by being weak, that is, dependent on God and walking humbly before him. I didn't know Kim was gonna sing this song, but uh, I had put this into my, into my message from Zechariah chapter seven, or four, verse six. It says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You see, we can accomplish a lot as human beings, can't we? We really can. And there are people without Christ that accomplish a lot. But they don't accomplish a lot in the eternal kingdom and the favor of God. They just accomplish a lot. And we can look at them and we can admire their hard work. We should. If you work hard for something, we sh you should get a pat on the back. But he says, it's not gonna be by your might and by your power that's going to get you that greatness in the eternal kingdom. Or it's gonna give you the power on earth you need. It's but by the spirit of God. And that, that's a little counterintuitive too. You mean that if I... If I walk in the power of God, I can do more than if I don't. That's it. That's it. You know, we don't wear gloves in California. I'm really glad. When there's parts of California where you have to wear gloves, I don't want to go there. I don't want cold. I was born in Denver, grew up in snow. People say how beautiful the Four Seasons. I agree. I like Four Seasons. I like JW Marriott. I love all those great hotels. Amen. All right. I've done all this, I've had enough. I'm tipped out, tapped out, tipped out, I don't want no more. But imagine if you had a set of gloves at your home. And you looked over, you saw your gloves, you say, hey gloves, go get me a glass of water. I mean, it's kind of a dumb illustration here, but it's the only one I've got right now that's working. <laughs> gloves, go get me a glass of water. And they lay there, why do they lay there? Because they're not empowered. But the minute I put my hand in them, you see, and you, without Christ in you, without the Spirit in you, are like a disempowered pair of gloves. But the minute you put your hand in there, now it's Christ in you. The power of God working in you and through you to accomplish that which you could not accomplish apart from him. Philippians chapter two, verses three and four. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. So here's what he's trying to say. You say, you know, I'm going to be a servant, and I'm going to make sure everybody knows it. Now, you got, that's not the pathway to greatness. <laughs> pathway to greatness is I'm going to do it whether anybody notices or not, whether anybody helps or not. Even when I murmur under my breath about them, I'm still going to do it with the right heart. Amen? <laughs> I've done this. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and work real hard, and people are going to notice. No, they don't notice. They're so happy you did it for them. You know, now I've got to go like, guys, they're such bums. <laughs> Christian bums, that's what they are. Get up and do something. 
Let nothing be done for selfish ambition. I'm not doing this for that. I'm not doing it for conceit, but in lowliness of mind. See, this is where it starts. It, remember I said it's your attitude? When I, when, I, when I allow my perspective to be that of, I'm not doing this for the wrong reason. I'm doing this for the right reason. The right reason is, number one, it's the pathway to greatness in the eternal kingdom, which is really important to God and should be important to every one of us. I'm not doing this because I'm going to get something in return. I'm doing this because it's right. One of my favorite pictures when we first started the church, we were over at El Rancho, and, and uh, we had to go in and, and kind of set up the stage every week, and we had this risers we'd built out, and, and they never seemed to be hooked up right. And, and there's a picture of me sitting under this riser. I'm not sure I could get under there anymore, but um, sitting under this riser with a hammer uh, about a half hour before the service started. And I'm sweating like a proverbial dog. And, and in my heart, I'm going like, you gotta be kidding me. Is there no one else on planet Earth? And people go by, hey, pastor. <laughs> How you doing, man? Looking good. Looking good down there. Get it strong. Get it solid. You know, and I just, I prayed for him. Prayed their car would break down. I prayed. <laughs> but here's what he says. But esteem others better than yourself. If you always do that, you will always have friends. So people say, I don't have any friends. Esteem everybody better than yourself, and you'll be surprised. Let each one of you look not out for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. I was at a gas station the other day, and I pulled up. I don't think I've told anybody this, but I pulled up, and there was a family in a little uh, little pickup truck, and mom and dad, a little little girl, and and uh, I said, uh, "How you guys doing?" And they go, "Great." And I said, "Hey, can I just fill up your truck for you?" And they said, "Well, we've we've already filled it up. We're just finished. We're just sitting here right now." And I said, "All right. Well, can I just give you some cash?" for the next time you fill it up. And they said, no, 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 that's okay. See, the important thing was not that I released the money. The important thing was that I wanted to release the money and I was willing to release the money. And you can redirect those things anywhere you want, but you have to have the right attitude and heart about it. You have to, you know, and it is totally contrary to the way we think. We're living in a place where we have the best gas, It's the best gas. You have to look at everything differently. They're, you know, they don't have good quality gas in the South. It's only like $4. Our gas is the best gas in the world. When people tell me, well, you know, what's going on here with the gas price? We have the best gas. See, it's all about perspective. When I get in my car, it runs better. Yeah, we were just in Idaho and Montana, and they didn't have as good a gas, and the car was having troubles. We have best gas. Kingdom rewards. There are kingdom rewards that God wants to give you, not only now, but in the future. You say, well, how does a kingdom reward work now? Well, the Bible says, when I lay up for myself treasures in heaven, okay, 
It's drawing interest as it's in heaven. So there's this rule of 72 where you take the, the amount of interest you're getting on a product and you divide it by 72 and that tells you how many years it'll take to double. So if I get 10%, then every 7.2 years, that money doubles. That's the rule of 72. Well, let's suppose that works in the eternal kingdom. You can't just cram for the exam the night before. I'm, you know, I, I think the Lord, I think we're getting close to the Lord coming back. You know, I'm going to do a bunch of good deeds. Well, you should do that, especially if you know the Lord's coming back. But that's not how you get an eternal reward. It's consistent, regular investing in the kingdom over your lifetime. And whether you have five years left or 50 years left, it doesn't matter. It's consistent investing your time and your talent and your treasure into the eternal kingdom. Colossians chapter three, verse 23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So whenever you find yourself, I, I, I worked some, I've worked some really bad jobs in my life to get through college, and I've been, I poured concrete, really bad job. It's just hard work. Every time I see a guy pouring concrete, I'm just like, I know. I know everything you're going through here, right? But, it, but I remember as a Christian pouring concrete, I remember thinking to myself, God, I really don't want to do this the rest of my life, and I really don't like what I'm doing, but I like how much they pay me to pour concrete. But God, I don't want to do this for that. I want to do it for you. And my day got shorter because I did it unto the Lord. I took my bad situations, and I said, I'm just going to do it for you, God. And now the real joy comes just from you, not from the paycheck or from the end product. It comes from you. Whatever you do, do unto the Lord, not to men, knowing from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You see how that's a kingdom perspective? Everything changes like, I hate my job. They said 58% of the people in America hate their job today. And only about 4% of them will ever change jobs. That's self-betrayal. That's doing it maybe for the wrong reasons. It's the only outlet I have. I don't know what else to do. Then if you change your perspective, you might actually like the job that you hate today. Because now you'll look at your job like I'm doing it to, unto the Lord. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for him. God, you want to give me a new job? Give me a new job. You see, he is the ultimate placement officer on planet Earth. He can, put, he can move you anytime he wants. He just might want to let you grumble a little bit where you are to get your heart right to receive and get you ready for the next opportunity God has for you. See, some things in life are just heavenly sandpaper. Some of you will catch that about Thursday. God has to just take things off of you to get you ready for what he wants to do to you next. And sometimes when we resist... Then it takes more sandpaper to get you there. This is good. This is applicable. This is where we live, guys. 
See, God shapes you and chisels you and grinds you and files you for an eternal purpose. Not because he doesn't like you. He loves you. He loves you, and he wants you to be your best. And you can't be your best without a little shaping. I want to just bring you up to date. I wanted to give this report. I'm, I'm sure this will be the last week I'll have to do this. But um, two weeks ago, I just said, hey, we need to fill up the house. Here's what we needed. And I put the numbers up here. I thought you'd like them. So we've gone from needing 103 down to 25. Uh, right now, just youth camp in Mexico house. And so uh, we just ask you to, to pray. We believe revelation is not only uh, by obedience to the word, but it's also by revelation. You see, sometimes God wants to move you to do something, and, and he tests you by saying, Am I speak, if I'm speaking to you, then I want you to do that. And, and that's true whether it's in giving or whether it's in serving. So God speaks to you, say, yeah, you need to go do that. 1 Timothy 3, uh, uh, chapter 6, it says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. If I ask you today how many of you are rich, probably nobody would stand up. And if you were rich, you probably wouldn't stand up anyway just because you know we know who you are. (laughs) Right? I ain't getting my number. But it says don't be haughty about it. He's not condemning richness in this earth, on this earth. He's just saying don't be haughty about it. Don't be proud about it. Nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. See, it's okay to be successful. It's okay to be rich, but make sure you have the right attitude about it because the kingdom is, the, is greatness in the kingdom is all about your attitude, right? And it says the living God who gives richly all things to enjoy. So if you're blessed financially and you get to buy something that I want, now watch this, I'm gonna make the application then your job is not to be haughty about it, and my job is not to envy you because that's a kingdom perspective, right? Let them do good. So if you're rich in this present age, let them do good, that they might be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing, now listen, here it is, storing up for themselves a foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life. You see how God always takes these promises these perspectives and you know puts them all together proverbs chapter 19 verse 17 says he who is gracious and lends a hand to the poor lends to the lord do you know that that every person that went out there on serve day and lended a hand lent, lent a hand to the poor they were they were in, in fact lending unto god and god says now okay i owe some people I'd like to settle up my account. I'd like to go ahead and pay you back because you loaned something. You gave something to someone. You helped someone. Now I'm going to turn around and just watch what I do. The Lord will pay him for his good deed. A lot of people, they don't want to do it because it's inconvenient because it was just, they were so busy from 9 to 12 on Saturday. Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
He says, don't get caught up over here. Get caught up over here. Because over here, you're not going to have to worry about, in this case, the scripture, where moth or rust destroys or where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he, he sums it up with this thought. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The things you treasure the most, your heart will follow. What do you treasure most in life? I just treasure my freedom. Then that your heart will follow that. I treasure my money. Then your heart will follow that. And God says, follow me and you will have treasure in heaven. Isn't that a good word? I don't know. It's just such a, to me, it's just a refreshing thing that to know that God wants us on the pathway of greatness in the eternal kingdom. And he's not, he doesn't have a problem with it. In fact, he encourages it. Let me show you the way. I want you to get there. Because remember, there's going to be some choice seats for some choice saints in the eternal kingdom of God. And who knows? It might be one of you. But get on the pathway. Amen? Stand with me. I want to, I want to lead you in a prayer. This is, uh, this is what we call a prayer of salvation unto the Lord. And some of you have... Uh, never prayed this prayer. Some of you considered it, but I, I want you all to consider praying this prayer. I'd like, I'd like us to pray out loud and you can just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, that you were buried in a grave, that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Save me. Write my name in the book of life. I love you, Lord Jesus. I will follow you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if that was your prayer, I've got good news for you. God hears your prayer. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, we will be saved. Good word. Amen.